Thank you, everyone. At this time, we'll have the main message of the day, who will be brought to us by Brother Bernard Wilson. Thank you. Thanks, um, Landon, for your song leadership so far. Thanks to the Sparks for that beautiful, happy song. And Infuse, oh, that was lovely. I'd like to give them another hand, please. It's Day number seven, we have been tabernacling, six days done, and we have already begun day number seven. Tabernacling is very, very special to me because just the thought of dwelling with God is great. And when we have the company of God's people sharing all the joys all the inspirations together, I just don't think you can match these eight days. The sermon I'd like to bring to us today, the title is Free Indeed. In the sermonate, I... Carlos mentioned that he was a captive to the electronic world. And I think of the many ways that many of us find ourselves captives. Sometimes I wonder who is really free. Sometimes we may think that we are captives of life itself. We have to go to work, whether or not we like it. We have to go to school, whether or not we like it. We have to do this and we have to do that, whether or not we like it. The cry for freedom seems to be continuous. And we all want to just be free. Get up, do what we want to do, the way we want to do it, and have our days just like that. What is true freedom? And how can we be free indeed? There are some who may be sitting in the church and think that, you know, if I had freedom, I would not be here. I probably would be partying, 
having fun someplace. That's freedom. Is that freedom? The person who is partying and having all the fun is wondering, what, what, what can I do to be really free? Because now they become slaves. Some become slaves to drugs. Some become slaves to partying. Some become slaves to various types of sin. And so, even those who think they have freedom still find themselves captives. The only way to understand what true freedom is, so that we can be free indeed, is to get it from the Bible. We're going to look at the scripture reading, John 8, and I'm going to read from verse 31, a discourse that Jesus had with his, with his disciples. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is a servant of sin. The servant and the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abided forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So Jesus was talking to first children of Abraham. They claimed to be children of Abraham. And they were. And not only that, they were his disciples. And he was happy about that. And he just had a, just a one-to-one with them. You're my disciples. If you continue in my word, you shall be free. It's just like us today. We are his disciples. And he's saying to us, if we continue in his word, we will be free. But I think we can ask just like they did, we're Abraham's seed. Aren't we Abraham's seed through Christ? We were never in bondage to any man. Is that true? It's difficult to still don't get the full understanding of this part that Abraham's seed were never in bondage to any man. Uh, the, the, the best um, answer I get to that is that because of their belief in God Almighty, even when they were in physical bondage, they considered their spirits free access to God. So 
Paul, for example, when he was in prison, he could sing songs of praise and worship to God because, you know, the chains can hold the body down, but it can't hold the spirit. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? But then Jesus, I think, give the answer to true freedom in verse 34. And that's what we will be examining today to see the full meaning of this verse. Truly, truly, of a truth, listen to me. Listen to me. I say to you, whosoever committeth sin is servant of sin. What Jesus is saying to his followers, after he said continue in the word, and he can make them free, he's saying, look, if you have sin, you cannot be free. If you serve sin, you cannot be free. So the way, therefore, for freedom, because if the servant, he says, abided not in the house forever, but the son abided forever. We have to choose who we serve. And if we claim to be Abraham's children and we are serving sin, We're not free. But if the Son therefore shall make you free, then you shall be free indeed. How can the Son make us free? I want us to deal with the issue of sinning to see if in that we can find a method and and especially for the youth a tool that can be used time and time again to make you free now there are a few words that I want us to contemplate as we look into this. And one is volition. It's another word for will. Volition or will. Your will. And by definition, it's a noun. The faculty or power of using one's will. The faculty or power of using one's will. We have a will. Every child born of Abraham has a will. And we have the power to use that will. So volition is also the power you have to decide something for yourself. Quite simply. The power you have to decide something for yourself. Now we must emphasize the word power. Because if you do not think you have the power to make decisions, you may not make that decision. And I would want us at the end of today to be convinced that as an individual, you have the power to make decisions. That's 
what God has given to all of us humans, the power to make decisions, to decide something for yourself. Now, if we consider it from the psychological point of view, it says volition or will is the cognitive process by which an individual decides on and commits to a particular course of action. Volitional processes can be applied consciously or they can be automatized as habits over time. So there are some decisions you make consciously here or now. There are some things over time you, you have a habit of doing things. It becomes automatic. So we use the word power, the power to make decisions. And what is power? I like to always refresh our memory by definition. It's the ability to do something or act in a particular way, especially as a faculty or quality. Power. It is the capacity or ability to influence the behavior of others or the course of event. Definition number one, the ability to do something or act in a particular way. That's your power to govern yourself. The capacity or ability to influence the behavior of others or the course of event is power that whether you have that or someone else have that or an institution has that, that can influence us. Another word I want us to, be, to, to have, have clearly is bondage. And it simply means the state of being a slave. So, Humans, then, have influences, powerful influences. The most powerful influence of all is the godly influence. Why? Because God himself is the creator. There is no power greater than the power of God. Satan's power cannot match that of God's power. So let us bear in mind when we're making decisions that we have two great influences, one greater than the other, the godly influences, the power of God, seeking to influence mankind to behave in a particular way that will not only please him, but will bring the best out of us. And we have another power. Let's take a look at Genesis 2 and look at this other power at work. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat free." 
thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That is the all-powerful God making a clear command to his creation. That tree do not touch because there are consequences. Did Adam and Eve, did Adam here have a, have a choice? Yes, God allow him to have a choice. You can touch it if you want, but there will be consequences. But I'm telling you, don't touch it. You decide. You have the power to make the choice. Now, that, that is the great power that put down the rule and he's watching to see what choice the creation will make. Now, if we look at chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, we will see another power at play. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had says, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Hmm. Very clear understanding as to what the command was. She could repeat it to Satan clearly. Verbatim. And verse 4, this is the influence start here now. And the serpent said unto the woman, He shall not surely die. What did Jesus say about Satan? Yeah, he's a liar from the beginning. So God says, the greatest power says, You shall surely die. The satanic influence says, You shall not surely die. The man is in between. There are two clear commands, two voices, two influences, and now God has given man the power to choose. Let's see what the choice was. For God doth know that in the day he eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and he shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So Satan continue his influence. So he told one lie, and then he's adding some more things to it to get the woman to consider going against the command of God. Okay. So she's weighing it. If you eat, you shall surely die. Don't touch it. If you eat, you shall not surely die. In fact, you'll be as gods. Your eyes will be open, knowing good and evil. She had the power to make the, the decision, to decide her course of action. 
What did they do? Verse 68. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, so she took up the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Bad choice, you'd say? Terrible choice. She succumbed. They succumbed to the influence, the power of the adversary. And look what humanity has been through since then. That act of disobedience. So according to verse 7, the, and the eyes of the, them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard a voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The freedom that they had before sin is now gone. The innocence had passed. Now they discover that they have done something wrong. They are hiding themselves and not only that, they had to face their God and accept the curses and all the consequences. If they had not sinned, they would be enjoying the paradise of the Garden of Eden. The man and the woman, with all the beauty of the garden. Have you been on a real good luxury resort? This one is good. And there are many others. When you see all that mankind can put together in a form of beauty and great atmosphere, and a man is there with his wife, you don't really want any more than that. In fact, I think as far as humans are concerned, the height of joy still seems to be getting away from all the hustle and bustle of life and get to some place that is so quiet. The man and his wife, with their innocence, they were naked and not ashamed. And that's the best. So, mankind gave up their freedom thinking that they will have an advantage by disobeying the word of God, disobeying the greatest power on earth, listening to an inferior voice, telling lies. I want to suggest that the devil and his tricks are the same today. We sit as children of God. We know God's will. We know what he wants of us. But every now and again, that evil one shows us something
that whets our appetite. And we walk away from thus saith the Lord. And we indulge in sinful activities. And we continue to lose our freedom because we are enslaved. Some of us are slaves to anger. We're slaves to partying. We're slaves to the video games. We're slaves to just wanting a, a love life before marriage. And if it happens just once and you say, Lord, oh, I slip, forgive me, Lord, that's not too bad. You're not a, quite a slave yet. But when you keep doing the wrong things over and over and over, Abraham's children, you're a slave. And there are some of us who have some things in our lives that we know we are slaves to. And how do we know we are slaves? Because the power that we have to decide right from wrong. We are not using that power to make us free. If we continue to do the things which we know we should not do, are we free? You can't be free. There's a little more to it than just the will. But it's very important that we understand that God gave man the power to choose. And what he sets in course throughout all the laws and the commandments is that there are consequences when we make the wrong choice. These days, and especially for the young people, we do live in a world where government, and especially of the North American continent, the governments are moving away from a state that is run with Christian values. Yeah, they're taking out the purse and all those things and making the world more and more secular. And so human rights become very important. Everybody has the right to do what they have to do. And this, some people say, oh yes, we want more and more and more human rights. I want to be free. And what is this so-called freedom bringing the, the nations? You know, I watched a clip from, from a show recently. Uh, it was Friday, we were looking at the TV. And there was this girl at 18 years old. She lost two parents within one hour. 
Her mom overdosed, and she, she passed. Her dad called her. Amy, I have sad news. You need to come. Okay, what, what happened? Oh, it's your mom. You need to come. Okay, all right, all right, all right. She knew they had the problem. And she, she, she hurried, book her flight. When she, he said, okay, I'll pick you up at the airport. Dad says. He said, okay, fine. She reached the airport, looking out, no dad, no dad. No dad. So then her cousin showed up. Let's go. No, they went to the car, nobody's talking. She said, what happened? Why did my dad come? Oh, he just passed. Just overdosed. 18-year-old girl lost two parents in their 40s because of the freedom that people are exercising to take whatever they want in their bodies. Not only that, but they have been slaves to this thing for years. They try to hide it. They don't talk about it. They cover it up. But every chance they get, they are slaves. I want to ask a question. What happened to the power to choose right today? I'm a little bit puzzled as to why people find themselves in such weak state of being that they cannot decide not to, to take something that will lead them to death. And Satan continue to fuel the fire with more, take some more of this and some more of that, some more pleasure here, some more fun here. Get it. Get all you want and have a great life. And he's producing slaves. I'm passionate about this message because I want to see none of us here being slaves to the devil. It's not worth it. We have a very good understanding of our mission. I think this feast has been a wonderful one, especially as the word is concerned. Thank you, Brother Adrian. Thank you, Brother Murray. We are Abraham's children. Through Christ. And there's one standard that is required for all of us. We have to get our, get our acts together. We have to get our acts together. God gave us just far too much for us to have all that we want. Yet we find ourselves being slaves to our sort of foolishness. When we should be loving, caring, and having the best of relationship in the church, we are struggling with gossip and backbiting and all sort of uneasiness. We, we are slaves to some of these things. Some person, they backbite today, they backbite tomorrow, they backbite the next day. Slaves! When will we be free? You know you have a problem with anger. 
And the Lord says, put it away. Yet you are angry at your brother even without a cause. And you're angry tomorrow and you're, you're a slave. You know it's wrong to do certain things on the Sabbath. And yet Sabbath after Sabbath, you find yourself doing things that you should not be doing. You're a slave. And many of us are slaves here today. I am not bothered by the human rights that they're offering. I'm not bothered by the society going secular. Because, as Brother Adrian pointed out very well, we're living in a world that is not governed by the laws of God. This is not physical Israel that had borders, and within those borders there's a covenant, and there are laws that govern that land that are God, God's laws. In fact, sometimes I, I, I wonder, what would it be like to be living in, in such a, a bordered land where the, the, the Ten Commandments is the Constitution and the laws of God are the law, laws of the land? Everyone will strive that there will be no stealing, no murder, nothing. Those who try to do away with God's law have no idea what they're asking for. They're asking for anarchy. And they all are slaves to these various systems. There are two examples of men that use the power of choice to their advantage. One was mentioned by Elder Murray yesterday, and that was the man Joshua. So if we look at Joshua 24 and verse 14, just to reiterate, now, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Verse 15. Here is a man who now realizes that he has power to choose. This is a verse that we will always want to remember. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye shall serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But here he comes. This is what he says. This is the power he exercised. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
So even when you are in company, even a group setting, you do not have to yield to peer pressure. You can stand among your peers and say, okay, look, you, you all say that we should go and do this wrong thing and you want me to be a part of it? Now I can tell you, if you want to go, you can go. But as for me, I'm not going. That's using the power to decide your course of action, your behavior. You have it. Every one of us have it not been utilized. I truly hope that as of today, we will, like Joshua, exercise that right. He was able to speak not only for himself, but for his household because he had the ability to influence his family. That's power too. And God has given many of us Positions of power that we can use to influence behavior to the good of others. And sometimes we don't use it like that. Here's another outstanding example of one who uses the, 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 the power of will. And this is found in Daniel 3. Well-known stories, but let's just look back at it so we can get the message into it. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man shall that hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down to worship that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou has set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods? Now worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if ye be ready that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning fire furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Challenge there. Powers at work. Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful man. Remember he just had a dream. 
And he woke up. Something troubled him. Couldn't remember the dream. He called magicians, astrologers, wise men. Everybody come. Tell me what I dreamt. And if you don't tell me what I dreamt, I'll kill all of you. Powerful man. These three guys had to stand up before this almost all-powerful man on earth. He heard that they didn't dance to his music and serve his God. And now bring them before him, the great, powerful Nebuchadnezzar. Now when the music player want to see you, you know, do, do your thing, right? Do some dancing. Get down. Here's the response. Here's the response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Oh my goodness. The power to choose. The power to decide. Nebuchadnezzar, great king of Babylon, king of kings, you are not going to get me to be afraid right now. Play your music. Let them who want to dance, dance. Let them who want to worship, worship. But in fact, I'm not even going to answer you in this. I'm not, I'm not even careful to answer you. But these gentlemen knew that there's another power source. And I'm trying to make us aware that at all times we need to consider both power sources. Always remember that the all-powerful is on the other side. And these guys are stood there going to make a decision. Okay, we're not going to dance. And whether our God deliver us or no, we're not going to do your thing. That was their volition. That was their willpower at work. They decided on their behavior and their course of action, and they simply stood by it. Wow, that's quite a contrast to what happened in the Garden of Eden. These guys went on the other side. And what did the all-powerful do? You know, we just know the story. Nebuchadnezzar commanded that the furnace be heated seven times the normal heat. I don't know what temperature that must have been, but it was so bad that the people who were taking them, the heat slew them. And they were bounded. They were thrown in bounded. Nebuchadnezzar the Great said, Who dare come stand up against my authority and power? You shall be burned in that furnace. But when he looked, he said, Hold on. We cast three men there bounded. But I'm seeing four men walking free. Oh, glory to God. Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, 
Did your God save you? And he had to yield to the greater power and testify to his own people that the God of these men are the true God. That is freedom. Even in the fire furnace, obedience to God, let those men walk free. Because that's the power of God. So some of us, even in our time of trials, and we feel like the, the, the furnace of life is so hot, we want to give in to the voices around us, the, the Nebuchadnezzar around us, we don't have to. These guys say, look, but I got God save us, you know. They understood that true freedom is obedience to the word of God. We do have some limitations, brethren. And we need to acknowledge our limitations. I want us to turn to Romans 7. And let us realize that why we struggle so much is because of the state we are in now. I start from verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be ordained to death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. All of what this, what is Paul saying here? Ten Commandments, the law of God, convicted him. When he looked into the perfect law of liberty, he saw his flaw. And he felt condemned. He felt wretched. That's the work of the law. It points out sin in us. So he says, no, I'm not quite against the law because the law is just, holy, and good. But because it is so just, so holy, and so good, when I match myself up to the law, I am no good. Because the law is perfect. 
I am not. So he's struggling. He finds himself with a struggle. So here's what Paul says now. We go to verse 15. For that which I do allow not, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now this is where we struggle with the the power to decide. Because if Paul is saying that the things which he want to do, that is in terms of his, his will, he wants to do the right thing. But he finds that he's doing something else. And he, he got frustrated. Trying to do the right, but ending up doing the wrong, end up in the wrong time after time. So hear, what, hear how he handles this. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Okay. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Conclusion, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, O Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So Paul is pointing out here that, look, as much as we have the power to choose, we do have something that is resisting us from carrying out what we will. Was it very clear there? So he said, with my mind, I want to do the will of God. That's very clear. Paul said very clearly. So he make up his mind to do the will of God. But he do find that there is another law working within him. And this is where it it um, becomes very, very um, very sad in a way. He called himself a wretched man. And so my question is, what's, how do we identify with, 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 with this? Those of us who really want to serve God and find that we like automatically do something that is wrong, sinful. Because that's the law that Paul is talking about, the law of the flesh. He just seemed to do its own thing.
get angry and then you realize, oh, I, I didn't intend to. I didn't intend to. But you just, sh- you know, shout at somebody without thinking. Oh, that's a flesh at work. You give somebody a look that you shouldn't do, but you didn't even think about it. It's the, it's the flesh at work. It's a law. With the mind you want to serve God, but the flesh have its own ways. It just do its thing. So we have a war. Do you see the war? Have you experienced war? And believe me, this is like an unending war. As we go through this, this life, sanctifying and purifying ourselves, the real war we have is to subdue the flesh and allow the spirit to have the will of God performed. The more we, we, we pay attention to the works of the flesh and to ensure that we mortify, we mortify the deeds of the flesh, the more we find ourselves in line with the will of God. Because if we eliminate the law that is against us, that's the limitation. The, the more we can make that uh, less influential or less powerful, then the more we'll find ourselves obeying God. And that is where we head towards the freedom that we seek. Free indeed. We all want to be free. Free indeed. We can be free. Free indeed. We have the power to make ourselves free. My brethren, whatever is ahead in this world, Prophecies will be fulfilled. Nations will rise against nations. People will lose the ability to love. Truth breakers, false accusers, all sorts of things will be happening around us. But I trust that we will use our power to choose at all times. Remembering that the greatest power on earth is that of God and therefore choosing to obey God and his commandments and his laws is the way to true freedom. We will pray for each other, strengthen each other so that we can overcome all influences that try to take away our freedom. May God bless you.